that, you know, this year and how, um, you know, it's so important to have the proper attitude towards adversity. It's so important to have a proper attitude towards challenge. Um, because when, when, we, ha- when we, we have the proper attitude, it's going to allow us to overcome and it's also going to allow us to grow. You know, you don't, you don't really grow in times of ease. Uh, you grow in times of adversity. You grow in times of really of persecution. And uh, I know that's not super, you know, exciting concept, but it's still true nonetheless. The uh, Bible says that we count it all joy. And so, and, and the, the statement I, that I have been making and will continue to make, God's not asking you to be strong. He's asking you to trust that he will be strong for you. And so anything that you face this year, it's not stronger than your Lord. And if we acknowledge him and we acknowledge his strength, um, he's going to lead us and he's going to guide us and he's going to cause us to overcome. And then we've been also taking a look at how that the giants are bred for us. And, you know, what that means is adversity, once again, is an opportunity to develop and it's an opportunity to grow. Uh, we, once again, we don't grow in, in times of ease. We grow in times of, of adversity. And, you know, David was a giant slayer. And uh, we took a look at that last week as well. And the, the thing that caused him to be a giant slayer is he understood that he was the beloved of the Lord. He understood that God loved him. He understood that God was for him. And so in the face of the giant, um, he wasn't afraid. And he knew that God was going to lead him into the victory. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. For we are more than conquerors through him that has loved us. And, and so it's a real key as we step forward uh, to see ourselves the way God sees us. It's real key for us to, to understand that we're the beloved and to understand that we know who we are in him. And so all, all that being said, that's kind of the groundwork. But let's, let's turn to Judges. And you guys are probably already there. And man, God's just speaking, been speaking so much to me just about Gideon's army and about Gideon. And so that's what we're gonna that's what we're gonna teach on here this morning. Uh, but I'm gonna read it to you in context, and then we're gonna go through it. And we're gonna break it down. Judges chapter six, and we'll begin at verse two. It says, "The hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, because of the Midianites, the children of Israel, made for themselves the dens, the caves, the strongholds which are in the mountains. So, so it was whenever Israel had sown, the Midianites would come up." And also the Amalekites and the people of the east would come against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And so... Um, you know, this is a really tough time for Israel, right? They, they, they're surrounded by their enemy. Uh, their enemy is stronger than them. They're being tremendously uh, persecuted. Um, their, their fruitfulness is being attacked, and they're going through a very challenging time. Now, what I want to do is, you know, everything in Scripture, nothing in Scripture is there by accident. It's all God breathed. And it's all put in there for a reason. So anytime anything is mentioned, because, you know, it's funny, you'll see God describe, you know, 40 years in one sentence, and then you'll see God lay out all these details, these seemingly minute details, and spend all this time talking about something in just a moment. 
But every, once again, everything that's put in there is put in there for a reason. He conceals it, and it's our job to search it out. It's our job to find out what he's actually saying to us. Because how many know that Scripture is a prophetic book? Amen? And everything in here is eternal. And so something that was written 2,000 years ago is still speaking to us today because it's a prophetic book. Uh, we see that in the life of Jesus. Uh, we see David prophesying about the Messiah over and over and over and over again, and then we see Jesus walk onto the you know onto the earth, fulfilling all of these prophecies. Uh, God always says that He declares the end from the beginning. It's the o- He's the only one that can do it. He's the only one that stands outside of time. <clears throat> so everything that's put in here is put in here for our learning. So uh, let's go back to the top portion of that chapter, and it says the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. Now, that word Midian means strife and contention. Strife and contention. Okay? And so, the Midianites, although they were a people, they represented a spiritual force called strife and contention. Okay? How many know that in the time that we're living in, I've probably seen more strife and contention in the past year or so than I have in my entire life? Never seen people so angry at each other, um, so divided. I mean, there are spiritual forces that are literally trying to rip the world into pieces right now, right? And so I want to read you this same chapter But instead of me saying Midian or Midianite, I'm going to add in strife and contention. The hand of strife and contention prevailed against Israel. Because of strife and contention, the children of Israel made for themselves dens, caves, and strongholds which are in the mountains. So because of the strife and contention, people went into hiding. People were insecure. People were not unified. People were divided. How many know the greatest way to conquer anyone is to divide them? And so, because of how many know we're seeing tremendous division on you know on a you know in our nation in the world um, you know in the church. There's all this division. There's all this strife. And what it does is is it weakens people. Okay, and what I want to encourage you, how many know that we're called to be peacemakers? Can I get an amen? We are called to carry peace. Okay, we're not called to allow the world to take our peace from us, and then we become torchbearers for strife and contention. Amen. How many know Christians can fight just as much as unbelievers can? And um, I'm not saying you don't take a stand for what's right. I'm never would I ever tell you that. You you take a stand for truth, but the torch that you bear is a torch of peace and confidence in the Lord. How I many you know you toil and strive when you don't trust? You know, I know a lot of people. You know, are <clears throat> you know concerned about you know some and and I I will I don't want to use this pulpit for anything political. I, I feel like it's it's lowering the call of God to talk about politics from the pulpit. The the kingdom is the kingdom. I preach the kingdom and and let people discern and let people embrace truth and let people be led how they're led. But there's a, a lot how many know that God is not afraid for America? 
God's not afraid, man. God's not worried. God's not concerned. God's not wringing his hands. And how many know that we can carry ourselves in a place of peace and trusting the Lord in the days ahead? Or we can be angry, freaked out, full of strife and contention and toil and live with no peace. Those are our options, right? I'm going to choose peace. Amen? I'm going to choose to trust the Lord. How I many know when you're trusting the Lord, you're in a place of rest? When you're not trusting the Lord, you're not in a place of rest. Okay? And so we see strife and contention cause division, cause hiding. And so let's continue down the chapter with that same understanding. So it was whenever Israel had sown, strife and contention would come up. And also the Amalekites, and Amalekites means toil, okay? When I'm toiling and, and, and striving, I'm not trusting. How I many you know that if you take the job of being your vindicator, you will never live in peace? You are never called to be your vindicator. How I many know the Lord will vindicate you? That's what love does. When I walk in love, I am trusting the Lord to vindicate my life. My job is not to attack my enemies. My job is not to come again. My job is to pray for my, my enemies, be good for my enemies, and then trust that the Lord is going to take care of me and the Lord's going to vindicate me. Can I get an amen? You're not called to be your vindicator. Don't fall down on the weak and beggarly elements of this life and try to get the enemy to goad you into a battle. No, no, no. We have a much higher place to operate. So it was when Israel had sown, strife and contention would come up, and the Amalekites are toil, and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor oxen nor donkey, for they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. How I many know if you want to, you can stay mad all day? If you want to. <laughs> but, like, it's not profitable. Allowing strife and contention into your heart robs you. It robs you of peace. It robs you of trusting in the Lord. And it's just not the way of the kingdom. I mean, you, know, you could spend all day fighting with people on Facebook. It's just, and it's not profitable. Like, it's not, it's not. I mean, you know, what if we took that time and instead of fighting with people on Facebook, we spent it praying for people on Facebook? Amen. How I many of the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds? You know, we're called to pray. We're not called to, 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 to argue with people, spending our days arguing with people. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of strife and contention, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now, let, let's drop down to verse 11. And, let's t and so God is going to answer. God has a plan. God's going to bring deliverance. How I many know God always has a plan? Before the problem comes, God already has an answer for it. How I many know before the fall of humanity, the Lamb of God was crucified before the foundation of the world? Before the fall happened, redemption was already waiting. So you, you have to understand, we, li we live and we have the ability to be surprised by stuff. We have the ability to be surprised by outcomes. outcomes. God does not. He, he knows the end from the beginning, and he's already ha he has an answer for every single problem that arises. Amen? And so God's about to reveal his plan to fix what's wrong. 
And so he's about to come to somebody, but he's about to come to someone who has a, who has a self-image issue. He's about to come to someone who does not think that they can handle the problem. Okay? So Judges chapter 6, verse 11, and I'm going to read this in context and then we'll work through it. It says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Ebersarite, while his, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the, from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why then has all this happened to us? Were all the miracles which our father told us about saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. This brother is complaining. (laughs) Like the angel of God comes to you. And this is what you got to say. Like, not, oh, hallelujah, oh, praise the Lord. No, it's accusation. It's God, you missed it. God, where have you been? How I mean, you know, people can get so hurt and so shell-shocked that they can live in a place of this right here. Things didn't happen the way I want them to happen, and it's your fault, God. Amen. But I love the Lord because he doesn't miss a beat. Like, he never even addresses all that because he's so good. And then he goes on, so, and, then he, and, then, and then the Lord said, to, and then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So the Lord, he complains, lays blame, and the Lord just keeps rolling. He's like, This is my plan. <laughs> I love how God operates. But Gideon's not done. <laughs> he said, wait, there's more. <laughs> not only am I going to complain about you, I'm going to complain about me. And then he says this, Oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my father's house. This guy's self-image is he, he is the lowest person in all of Israel. He disses his... His, his tribe, we're the weakest tribe. And he said, I'm the least person in the weakest tribe. How many know, it sounds like this person's qualified to be used by God. <laughs> because this is how God does things, right? I love, I love the Lord. But I want to show you, this is not a person of great faith. Clearly. Like, I don't know about y'all, but if an angel of the Lord appeared to me, I don't think the first words out of my mouth would be complaining about stuff. Like, if I had, if I had an encounter with the, with, with, with the Lord like this, but that just shows you how hurt this guy is. He's hurt. He's disappointed. He's hiding. He's in a place of pain. Because everything that he thought God was going to do, God didn't do. But how many know God wasn't done? See, so many times we allow our hope to be crushed because things don't happen on our timeline or the way we want it. And, and, and you know, having walked with the Lord for 20 years or so, I have found that nothing happens on my timeline. Nothing. Nothing. Not a thing. You know, like, 
when Stacy and I, you know, first got married, we thought, hey, we're going to wait till we're in our 40s to have all our kids. <laughs> Nobody does that. But, but, you know, I mean, most of our kids, I'm just, you know, that's not the way I thought things were going to happen. But how many know that God's plan is better than our plan? How many know that the, even in this situation, how many know God's plan is better than their plan? And God's going to bring deliverance. But it is not going to happen the way they thought it was. And I'll take it a step further. Deliverance will never happen the way we think it will. Ever. It's the one thing the Lord reserves as his right to surprise his people. When Jesus came, they were like, oh man, Jesus is here. The Christ is here. I mean, these bros, what were they trying to do? They're trying to make him king. They, there was one time where they took him by force to try to make him king because they didn't like the Roman Empire. And they said, finally, the Lord's going to send us a Messiah. He's going to be like David. He's going to kill the bad guys and set up the kingdom of the good guys. Jesus, this is what you're going to do. These bros got so fanatical and so crazy about it, they tried to take him and make him do it. But I mean, you can't take Jesus and make him do nothing. He'll make himself invisible and just slide through the crowd. Because he did not come at that time as a lion. He came at that time as a lamb. He came to lay down his life. He did not come to set up some earthly kingdom. Are y'all tracking me here? But that's what they wanted, and they didn't get what they wanted. They got the Son of God on a cross crucified. That was the opposite of what they wanted in their insurrection. They wanted someone to come and conquer. How many of he was conquering, though? How many of he was conquering the greatest enemy the world had ever known? How many know the enemy wasn't Caesar? The enemy wasn't the Roman Empire. The enemy was the darkness behind all of that. He came to conquer who was pulling the strings, not the strings themselves. See, we see what we see in our little finite vision. But the Lord sees way more than we see. And there are times when we just have to trust the Lord that He's going to work all things together for good, even though things aren't happening the way we want them to happen. And so here Jesus, Jesus dies on the cross. Everybody is bummed out. They, the, everything they'd worked for, everything that they put so much time into, everything they put so much effort and attention into, all seemed like it died in a night. And then the next day, still dead. And then the next day, still dead. Peter's like, hey, I'm going fishing. Everybody's like, we're going with you. Disciples on the road uh, to, uh, thank you, Emmaus. Sad, depressed. Why? Because God didn't come through with our plan. <laughs> but how many know that the Lord rose again from the dead, conquered hell, death, and the grave, and preached the kingdom for another 40 days before he was received up into the clouds? And he still didn't establish his, his earthly kingdom. Right? Because another couple thousand years had to happen before that, before that was going to come to pass. Because God created you, and God wanted you to live your life 
and have your opportunity to know him and to trust him and to face the battle. How I many you know heaven is more populated because we've had 2,000 years of people living and dying and knowing the Lord? How I many know if the kingdom came back right then in that moment, then we wouldn't exist? We wouldn't have an opportunity to be a part of the story. There'd be no story for us. But because the Lord loved you so much, He gave you an opportunity uh, to be more than Thomas. I mean, we have not seen him physically, but we believe. We are those that he was talking about, right? And so God had greater plans than man's ability to perceive, right? And today, God has greater plans. Now, the day and time's coming when the king comes, and it is the king's kingdom. Can I get an amen? There will be no more earthly kingdoms. Thank God. There will be no more man-ruling man. We don't rule well. None of us do. There's not been one person who's ever ruled well. Even the, even, I mean, how many know David was God's chosen? Did he rule well? He did all right. But, you know, he killed somebody, you know, and committed adultery and tried to hide it up. Solomon had, you know, 600 wives and 300 concubines and left the Lord. I mean, the book of Ecclesiastes is him walking away from the Lord. Now he returned, thank God. So there's no person that's capable of being king other than than Jesus. And the beauty, and I, and I still believe we, I, I, I mean, I, I believe we have the greatest country in the world, and I believe our country is awesome, but even then, it's still ran by people. But the day and time will come when the king will be in his kingdom, and, 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 and all, all of this stuff will be over. Amen. But right now, the kingdom is still here, and it's within us. And it's time for the kingdom to do what the kingdom does, which is not enter into strife and contention and worry, but it's time for us to shine. There's going to be tremendous opportunity for ministry in the days ahead. You see light shine in darkness. He told us there was going to be darkness. He said there was going to be darkness. He even said it was going to be gross darkness. Are we surprised when it comes? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, but like, it's okay. It's time to shine. Amen? And if I, so anyway, but this brother is hurt. He's sad. He's complaining. And he don't feel like he's enough. Now, let's step back to the top of the chapter and let's start looking at the hidden gems of truth that are in it. Judges 6, verse 11, it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terabith tree. Why in the world would God put that in there? You know, I mean, you know, we're going to have this account, but hey, the Lord sat under this tree. How many other times did somebody sat under a tree and God didn't say nothing about it? How many of you always trying to get a message over to us? There's something about this tree that's special. So let's look at it. The terabith tree, I did a little study on it, it has the ability to grow very long, and they even have the ability to survive in times when the environment might not seem favorable. 
And this can be considered as a result of the strong root system under the tree. How many know they were in trying times? And how many know this whole year, or the beginning part of this year, I've been talking about how we don't have to participate in the season of this world. How many know we are rooted to something more powerful than what this world is rooted to? How many know we don't have to be afraid? How many know we can bring forth our fruit? We can be fruitful. We can multiply. We can operate in blessing during a time when the world is being shaken. Can I get an amen? How do we do that? We trust in the Lord, and, and we, we feed on his report, and we feed on truth. But this angel came and sat under this tree to give you and me a message 2,000 years later that even though all hell's breaking loose in, in, this, in their particular time, and in, in, in our particular time, how many know that we have a root system that's greater than the root system in this world and we can still flourish? Can I get an amen? It's facts, man. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terabith tree, which is an Ophrah, which belonged to Joash. And that, that word means Yah is strong or Jehovah is strong. The Ebezerite Eb, means my father is help. So he sat under the tree that could persevere in times of trouble, and he addressed... My God is strong, my Father is help. Can I get an amen on that? Now, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from strife and contention, in order to hide it from the Midianites, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. How many know that God sees something in Gideon that Gideon doesn't see in himself? And I'll take it a step further. God planted something in Gideon that wasn't there until the Lord said that. That's how he, that's how he rolls. How I many know when God came to Abraham, Abram, and he said, your name's Abraham. From that time forward, God considered him to be a father of many. Because when the Lord speaks, it is. When God says, light be, it is. And so God found the weakest man in the weakest tribe hiding, afraid, and said, I'm with you. You are a mighty man of valor. So in the day and times that we're living in, the Lord is speaking to you individually and saying you are a mighty person of valor. How many know it's all hands on deck right now in America, in the whole world? And what you're facing may be stronger than you, but it's not stronger than your God. And the only thing you need is those four words, or five words. The Lord is with you. That's all you need. You really don't need anything else. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon, of course, it's amazing. We're funny, aren't we, human beings? Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why then has all this happened to us? I just love this, man. I love this because we can all relate to this. Like, well, if God's with us, then why, 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 didn't, why didn't it happen the way I wanted it to? And then he takes it a step further. And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about? Did the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. Ladies and gentlemen, any preacher that stands up and tells you that God has forsaken America and is punishing America, turn them off. Turn them off. Turn them off. Uh, it's a new covenant, 
And how many know that God would have delivered Sodom and Gomorrah had there been but one righteous person? How many know there are plenty of righteous people in America? And, and so don't listen to voices that echo the raw, that's not the voice of the Father. God wants to seek and to save that which is lost. Can I get an amen? That's always his heart. His heart's always restoration and restitution. So don't open your ear to prophecies that are freaking you out. You know, there are several prophecies that were circulating, that were naming certain months last, you know, last week. You know, they're like, well, this month this happens. Where are those guys now? Because all the stuff they said didn't happen, but yet they were an injection of fear into the body of Christ for a season. But where are they now? Well, we're not listening to them now. We already, we already gave their, their video, you know, several thousand, you know, a couple hundred thousand views, and fear was injected in people. But where are they now? Well, they're on to, they're on to say something else. And I'm sorry, I'm not trying to be mad. You know, but like, if it's not the voice of your father, the new covenant will teach you the voice of your father. Prophecy is not there to scare you. It will always bring hope. Now, it may, prophecy may let you know tough times are coming. I mean, Agabus came and said, there's going to be a great famine. But right with the prophecy, there was instruction. He gave the prophecy there's going to be a great family, but he said, we got to, we got to take care of the poor saints in Jerusalem. we got to take up a collection and help them out. So there's never going to be a word from the Lord that's just going to bring absolute hopelessness, and then we just move on and all die. Okay? It's not an old covenant anymore. Okay? It's a new covenant. Prophecy is always going to bring hope. It's always going to bring encouragement. It doesn't mean that it's always going to be, you know, roses and sunshine, but when, when, when there is truth coming forth and giving some, some warning about something, there's always going to be wisdom, and there's always going at the, to, at the end of the day, you know who wins? God. <laughs> and you know who wins with him? His people. Amen? And so if you're, if you're hearing a, a voice that is saying, turn it off, man. If what you're hearing is not producing faith in you, not producing hope in you, not producing rest in you, you're listening to the wrong voice. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so he's complaining. He said, but not the Lord. The Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hand of the Midianites. And the Lord turned to him and said, I love this. God did not pay any attention to anything that he just said. Not a, not a thing. He said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? <laughs> Gideon's like, who is this guy? But how many know the Lord has more faith in you than you have in yourself? And it's always been that way. Amen. The Lord has more faith in you than you have in yourself. Because the Lord knows the key, the key element. So, so then he starts, and I know I've taught on this, but I want to really expound on this. And so Gideon said again, Oh, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you. Surely I will be with you. And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. And then, and then <laughs> so, 
I love the way God thinks. And so, how I many know God has a plan different than their plan, but God's about to bring victory. Can I get an amen? A tremendous victory. A tremendous victory. A tremendous victory. And so then, I'm not going to go through all the account of the fleece, because Gideon still don't believe him. And so he starts laying out fleeces. All right. If you're real, this really happens, do that. You know, y'all know the story of the fleeces, right? You know, you got to make the fleece wet. You got to make the fleece dry. And so God jumps through all the hoops necessary to get Gideon to believe that he's with him. Y'all ever had God confirm some things for you? Because he because he loves you, right? But we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna go to that. So go to go, turn to Judges seven, and we're, we're not gonna go through the whole fleece thing. But I want to show you, God comes, and, and, and the guy's hurting, okay? He's shell-shocked. He's complaining. Things didn't happen the way he thought it was. He felt like he was really small, and his problems were really big, and it was just too big. But the Lord came, and the Lord had a plan that was different than his. Judges chapter 7 and verse 1, it says, Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him, rose early and camped beside the will of Herod. Now, I'm not going to go into this either, but um, Gideon went and tore down Baal's altar, okay? And uh, he took a stand for his God in, in, in a time when it wasn't popular and it wasn't cool. And when he took a stand for his God, his knees were shaken. How do you know, Jeremiah? Because he did it at night. <clears throat> Scripture says he did it at night because he was concerned what everybody thought. But the Lord told him, go tear that idol down. Everybody's scared of Baal. Go tear that idol down. And he went and he tore that idol down and he took a stand. Amen. A courageous stand. Amen. And, 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 and amen. How many know that in the days ahead that we're going to have opportunity to take a stand for our God? Take a stand for your God. Take a stand for your God. Let it be your God that you're taking a stand for. Amen. Not necessarily your political belief, not necessarily your uh, denomination, non-denomination, pastor, preacher, minister, blah, blah, blah. Let Jesus Christ be the moniker on, your, on, the, on the top of you. Amen. I'm not telling you not to take a stand for all of the things that I just said, but how many know your primary stand is for your God? Take a stand for your God. Amen. Take a stand for the Lord. There's going to be, everyone here, you're going to have times when you have to take a stand. Compromise, and, 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 and just let the Lord lead you. Don't take an arrogant stand in the flesh. How I many you know he didn't tear down the altar until the Lord told him to? Sometimes we're so quick to tear things down, and it's not time to tear something down, and the Lord's not leading us, our emotions are leading us. How I many we have to pick and choose our battles and let the Lord lead us into all truth? Can't get an amen. It's just the truth. Otherwise, if you let the enemy constantly keep you fighting, You'll fight all day, and you won't get nothing done. And you'll be depleted and angry, full of strife and contention. Let the Lord lead you in when to fight. Let the Lord lead you in when to take a stand. But the Lord spoke to him and said, go tear that, that altar down. And he did. Amen. And so there's going to be times when you're going you're gonna, to, and it's what, and how awesome is that? <clears throat> it's fun, man. <laughs> What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Listen, when we get to heaven, you're not going to have any battles to fight. 
you're not going to have any opportunity to work together with the Lord. Like we're going to we, it's all going to be over. This is your only chance to stand with God. Because the day and time is going to come when all the giants are slayed, all the problems are solved, and it's you and Jesus in eternity, right? And you know what y'all are going to talk about? You're going to talk about when you stood with the Lord and God gave you the victory. You're not going to talk about the bright sunny day when the ice cream was great and the water was cool and you had fun. You're not going to remember that. You know what you're going to remember? You're going to remember when you stood in the face of adversity and you recognized that greater was he that's in you than he that's in the world. How many know that it is an honor to serve in the Lord's army? It is an honor to be in the kingdom. It is an honor to serve God. I know it's not easy, you know, and I know you're the minority, and that's never going to change. That's how things are set up down here. We are not the majority, okay? We are the minority now. Now, eventually, that's all going to flip, and it's going to change. But right now, relish the opportunity to take a stand for the Lord because, golly, that's the trying of your faith, amen? Look at it as, as, as something of honor, amen? Um, and so anyway, and so there's going to be opportunity for us to take a stand. And so then Jerubal, that is Gideon, all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod. So he starts assembling his army to take a stand against these Midianites. So that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many for me to give to the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now, this, check it out. God didn't like the odds. It's, and this is how God thinks, okay? When you're outnumbered and you're surrounded, that's when God likes the odds. Because when, the, when, when you win in that scenario, we all know who gave you the victory is the Lord. If there's a theme in this book... It is God is with the underdog. <laughs> if there is a theme in this book, God is with the few. It is how earth is set up. I, I just I think that God doesn't experience, and these are just my surmisings, God doesn't experience anything like that in heaven. Like, in heaven, God is so powerful, folks. Like, you know, when this thing's over, one angel's sent to chain, to chain up the devil. Just one. Like, he's got at least 144,000 other angels, but just one is sent. And, you know, and so many times we, we think, light is so powerful, you know, light and dark, they're fighting. No, 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 man. This is, like, the dude that we're dealing with is just a liar. He's been stripped. He has no authority. Now, there's a time when he had some authority because man gave him authority. But that, he lost that at the cross. Now he's just a liar. The Bible says in the book of Revelations, when we see him, we're going to be shocked. We'll be like, that's the guy that deceived the nations? <clears throat> so this is God's opportunity to rescue his people. Let's enjoy the rescue. Let's worship our Savior. Let's let him be the king and the hero that he is. Amen. Like, he's the hero. And so God's here. He's like, you know, we're going to set you free from the Midianites. We're going to bring freedom. But right now, there's too many of you. 
Because if, if there's this many of you, then you're going to take credit for the victory. And if you take credit for the victory, it's not good for you. How I many you know every development of pride in your life is a place where you've pushed back from the table of grace? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Pride's the only thing that frustrates grace. The only thing that frustrates grace. Nothing else does. How I many you know God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble? What's the enemy always trying to develop in your life? Pride. Because if you can develop pride in your life, you can't drink grace in that area. And so you're left to your own ability. You know what happens there? You fall. That's it. You fall. If you get in pride, you're going to fall. <clears throat> you're going to fall because he loves you. Because he doesn't want you trusting in yourself. He didn't create you to be sufficient under yourself. He created you to need him. Y'all tracking me here? And so if Israel won the battle when they had the majority, then they would have been prideful and they would have pushed back from Jehovah, and they probably would have made some god. You know who they would have worshipped? Gideon. Because we love to worship something we can see. We love it. We will, we, will, we, will, we will put anything on a pedestal that we can see. Person, place. You ever notice revival will break out somewhere? You know, Brownsville or... Welsh revivals or whatever, and everybody wants to go back to that spot and, you know, and, and pick the dirt up in their hands, <laughs> rub it together. And let me tell you something. I promise you, revival's not going to break out in the spot that it, rape, it broke out before because it's not a formula and it's not the place that's special. It's not even the people that are special. It's our God that's special. Y'all tracking me here? We always want to worship something. When God brought deliverance to the children of Israel through the serpent on the pole, how I many know they just had to look at that pole and the, and the serpents wouldn't bite them, right? You know what happened? They started worshiping that thing. They called it Nahushtan. Because we want to worship something. The reason the Bible's written by men, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is so we won't worship a book that fell down from heaven. If the book came down from heaven and was running run, through men, we'd build a cathedral for the daggone thing and we'd sit around and worship it. Because <clears throat> we're weird like that, <laughs> praise God. We want, we, we, humanity, we are prone to idolatry in our flesh. We want to worship a sports star. We want to worship a rock star. We want to worship a place. We want to worship a person. God's like, no one can handle the glory but me. I'm the only one that can handle being worshipped. How many of you know Satan himself decided he wanted to be worshipped? That's how he fell. If you see in the book of Isaiah, he said, I will be like the Lord. I will arise. I will make my throne as the stars. I will, I will, I will. And what happened? He got messed up. Nobody needs to be worshipped except God. Nobody needs to be worshipped except Jesus. Nobody. No pastor, no leader, no person. So, if they'd have won the battle because Gideon got so many people, they'd have made a big statue out of Gideon and they'd have worshipped him and they'd have jacked Gideon up. Because can't nobody handle that. And so God says, I don't like those odds. We're going to have to whittle it down a little bit to make sure everybody knows where the victory comes from. So he starts whittling. And the Lord said to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many. Too many for me to give uh, the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me. 
saying that my own hand has saved me. Now, therefore, proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 people returned. Okay? So, and then 10,000 remained. <clears throat> so, two-thirds of the army left. How I many know Gideon is probably nervous? Because he was nervous when this thing started. <clears throat> and he's hyped. Now he's like, man, we got, tw- got 32,000 people. Let's go. Let's take out the Midianites. Guy's like, nah, man. If they're scared, tell them to go home. Gideon gets to watch as his strength in his eyes leaves. And there he is. But remember what the Lord told him in the beginning? I'll be with you. How many of you know that's all that matters? Cannot stress that enough. <clears throat> but the Lord, and so now I was like, all right, God, great commander in chief. <laughs> you know, 22,000 people left. Is this cool? Are we good with this? But the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that if, that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, and the same shall go with you. And whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set him apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees and drinks, the number of those who lapped, putting their hand in their mouth, was 300, but all the rest of the people got down on their knees. Then the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hands. Let the other people go, everyone to his place. Now, God likes the odds. So now they lose, what's, you know, 10,000 minus 300, you know. They lose 9,700, right? So now it's just these guys sitting there staring at each other. Now at this point, now, how many of they are probably really nervous at this point. God's like, okay, now I like the odds. <clears throat> Have you noticed a theme in the book that when the odds are against God's people, God shows up. Have we not watched it <laughs> forever? And yet we still get nervous when it happens. <laughs> because we like to trust in the strength of man. We like to trust in chariots. We like to trust in those things. The Lord says, I don't give victory like that. Praise the Lord. It's funny, isn't it? Then turn to uh, verse 15. Judges chapter 7, verse 15. And so it was, so then, and Gideon's nervous, but then they, he gets this an account with a dream, and they encourage him and stuff like that. I mean, I've got to give you encouragement the whole way. Amen. And so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshipped, and he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. Then he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet in every man's hand with an empty pitcher and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. Watch, when I come to the edge of the camp, you, you, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow your trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. 
So Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle of the watch. Just as they had posted the watch, they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were, there, that were in their hands. Then the 300 companies blew their trumpets and broke the pitchers. Then they held the torches in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands were blowing. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And every man stood in his place all around the camp. And the whole army ran and cried out and fled. And when the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord set every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. And the army fled. And they won. Now here's the thing. How I many know they did not fight the battle? They just did what God told them to do. And then the Lord fought the battle. Now, funny thing is, how I many know God didn't even need 300 people to do that? But He let them be a part of it. Same is true for us today. How many know God will allow you to be a part of his victory? Amen. He'll let you. But the Lord's the one that fought this battle. Amen. And the Lord brought the victory. Were they outnumbered? Yes. But God waited until, listen to me, no trust could be placed in a man to bring the victory. Because if he'd have brought the victory when the trust was in the man, then the man would have gotten the glory. And that wouldn't have been good for God's people because they would have worshipped the man. And it also wouldn't have been good for the man. God will never give his glory to anybody else. Not because he's some egotistical maniac, but he knows you can't handle it. Can't nobody handle the glory. Devil couldn't handle the glory. Lucifer couldn't handle the glory. Nobody can. You remember when David wanted to number the ar- number his pe- number the army? Well, I just want to know how strong we are. I just want to know how powerful we are. How I many know <clears throat> when he was in the valley and fought Goliath? He didn't need an army to bring the victory. There was never a time in David's life when it was the army that gave him the victory. There was never a time in the children of Israel's lives when they, were, they won because they were so mighty. The Lord straight up told them, these people are mightier than you. They're stronger than you. They're greater than you. But you're my people. <laughs> but you're mine. And I love you. And I'm going I'm, I'm I'm to win the victory for you. Because I love you. So, In the days ahead, let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's worship the Lord. And let's put our trust where it belongs. Amen? Amen. And and let's let's see the Lord do what the Lord does. Amen? And let's allow Him to do what He does. Amen? Let's get comfortable fighting in Gideon's army. How do you get comfortable fighting in Gideon's army? Well, you have trust in the Lord. Because if you, if you don't, you'll get scared. Amen. How do you know those 300 guys? Because the Bible talks about the, the enemy was as the locusts. They were like grasshoppers across the field. I mean, these were, were these people. The enemy was at, without multitude. How do you know as you're in this world 
it can feel like everyone that has power is against Christianity. Everybody that has money, everybody has power, everybody has influence. I mean, all these, gosh, everything. But do you think the stage is set for the Lord to do his thing? He's going to do his thing. And you know what? Ain't nobody going to get credit for it. And I love it. Not a church, not a pastor, not a, not a minister, not a leader, not a political figure. Nobody's going to get the credit but the Lord. I love that, man. I love that. Because it's pure. It's beautiful. It's about, it's about Jesus Christ. It's about Him. Amen? And so, relax and trust the Lord. Amen? And, um, and know that God is he's, he's working all things together for good. Amen? And, uh, and we're going to see our God do what He does. You know? He's going he's gonna to overcome. But let's not, let's not get nervous and let's not get afraid and let's not hide in dens and let's not enter into strife and contention and toil and all of these little pitfalls and traps. Let's trust the Lord. How I many you know if I'm trusting the Lord, I have peace? If I'm trusting the Lord, I have peace. Now, I'm up here telling you, I'm always trusting the Lord. No, no, no. How I many you know you, there are times when you are at rest, and there are times when you hear a bunch of stuff that freaks you out, and you got to labor to get back into your place of rest. How do you do that? Time with the Lord. You know, coming to church, hearing a message. How I many of you know, have more peace now than when you first came in? Then the Lord has done his job. <laughs> the Lord's done what he was supposed to do. Amen? Because we got we to gotta get our attention just really just back onto him. Amen? And uh, just it's just an adjustment. That's all. It's okay. Amen? Praise God. It's good. Amen. Awesome. Let's, let's, let's take a moment and just thank him. Let's just thank him. Lord, we just, just want to say we thank you. We love you. And Lord, we're, we're, we're sorry for getting our attention off of you and, and for being concerned about all the things we hear and see, Lord. And, and we just, we, we trust you and we thank you and we're grateful to you, Lord. And we thank you uh, for our country and our nation and we thank you for the body of Christ all over the world. And Lord, we just thank you that there's just an outpouring of your spirit. And Lord, I thank you that so many people turn to Jesus, Lord. So many people turn to Jesus during this time, Lord. We just, we thank you for it, Lord. We put our trust in you and we're at peace. We thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Praise God. Well, if you need to give an out this morning, lift your hand up. We'll get one. Those of you that are watching online, if you guys want to partner with our ministry, you can go to gracepointgeorgetown.com and you can give there. Amen. We're grateful <clears throat> for everybody's partnership. Amen. Remember how I told you my dog chewed through the fence on uh, at my neighbor's fence? Well, he chewed the other neighbor's fence. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, just a few days ago. So he chewed it on one side, and then he chewed it on the other side. Threw it. Yeah, it's astonishing. It's impressive. It is, man. He chewed it on one side and chewed it on the other side. That's all I got. I don't even have any punchline. I'm just like, this. this is what's going on. <laughs> 
Amen. And I was not, I did not maintain my peace. <laughs> my peace went out the window. <laughs> Praise God. Now we, we can't, like, we can't even trust him in the backyard. Like, he, he, he's, he's like a daggone, he's like an inmate. Like, we, like we, all right, we're letting you out on the yard. You know, you got three minutes of sunshine. <laughs> you got to come back in. It's not that bad. But we, we got to keep an eye on him, though. I mean, he's, and then I tell everybody, like, well, how old is he? Well, he's not quite a year old. Well, He's a, he's a year on out, yeah. So, amen. There goes that hope out the window. Praise God. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's it's all good, man. I hear from God. You know what the Lord says? Don't get rid of him. You know, my, seriously, like up here, get rid of this dog. Get rid of this dog. Get rid of him. He'd be easy to get rid of. He's so pretty. He's a beautiful dog. Blue eyes, and he's just beautiful. He's all black and all that. But every time I think about it, it's... I'm learning. I'm learning something. I'm learning some type of lesson. <laughs> I guess, man. He is. He's my giant. <laughs> He's my 2021 giant. Finally conquered AT&T. I don't have AT&T to work my patience anymore. Now it's the... I'm a lurk. I did, too. I am. I'm learning some carpentry, praise God. I'm out there fixing that daggone fence, man. Went to 84 Lumber. Went to Lowe's. Hallelujah. I'm out there. Fixes stuff, you know, and and it's embarrassing too. Like you know, your neighbor, you know, your your the neighbors' kids know my dog's name because he's in their yard. That's how they found out. They're like blue, blue, blue's out there. <laughs> not mean, not a mean bone in his body. Just wanting to play. So, hey man, he wants to see other dogs. Yeah, we took him on a play date the other day. Stacy's parents' dog, and they played hard. Come back mud just everything just gross he come back you think he'd be tired he ain't tired he still ain't tired i'm like what's wrong with you <laughs> like give me some of what you got lay paul on me you know pray for me like, like he was not he eventually got tired but like he came home and he was still there i'm like aren't you gonna take a nap or something like and he didn't until later now he later later on that evening he fell asleep on the couch you know but like the other dog, they sent his picture of the other dog, he's laid out. He's like, oh, we played hard for two hours, and Blue's just like, let's go put a harness on him and let Eli ride him, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Eli just be like, <laughs> I guess so, man. He needs a job. You know what I'm saying? That dog needs a job. We need to send him to Alaska, man. He loves the cold weather too. Like he lo- he really he does really enjoy it. So anyway, I'm rambling now. So I just wanted to share that with you. <laughs> Amen. Father, we just ask you to bless this offering and bless the week ahead. And we just thank you for great days ahead in Jesus' name. Amen.